All right, well, we're going to continue in our series looking at the mothers of Jesus. So this morning we're going to be in the New Testament, finally. Luke chapter 1 is where we'll be. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. It was Charles Dickens' famous book, The Christmas Carol, that really transformed uh, how Americans began to think about and celebrate uh, Christmas. Uh, It was a book about, you know it, Ebenezer Scrooge, this filthy rich man who cares for no one but himself. And now we talk about people as if they are Scrooge. Uh, And so this man on Christmas Eve is visited by a ghost, the ghost of his long-dead business partner, Jacob Marley. And Jacob appears to him covered in these chains uh, and and is speaking to Scrooge, and he tells him that these chains that are binding him have been forged by the unkind acts from Jacob's life. And he tells Scrooge, he says, look, Ebenezer, you are making the same sort of chains in your life now that I've made in mine. But tonight you're going to be visited by three different spirits or three ghosts that will show you the man you are, the man you've been, and the man that you are becoming. And Scrooge hears this and he thinks it's this outrageous claim. He, he thinks, uh, he, he doesn't believe it. He thinks maybe he's eaten something bad and his stomach is, is upset or that he is imagining this ghost of his friend. He doesn't trust it. The claim, the idea is too outrageous. He doesn't think these ghosts are going to come and show him anything. Because let's face it, who in the right mind would trust the message of a supernatural messenger? This morning, we're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her reaction to the message of an angel. We have looked at three of the five women mentioned in Matthew's genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus. And these women, the mothers of Jesus, we have learned from Tamar, the first, that God is on the side of justice and the oppressed. From Rahab, we learned that faith is reasoned, and it calls us to sacrifice and risk everything to have faith in God. And from Ruth, last week we learned that redemption comes to all those who need it. Now Mary, the mother of Jesus, teaches us how we respond to this message. How do we respond to the Christmas story, the message that God has come in the form of a baby? There are a lot of ways to respond to the claims of Christianity. There are a lot of ways to respond to to a God who sends his, his son in the form of a baby. There are a lot of ways we can respond to the ideas of Christianity. We can laugh them off as fairy tales of a bygone pre-scientific era. We can scrutinize the claims of the Bible and only accept the parts we like and agree with and find helpful and reject the rest. We can rewrite or reinterpret those parts of the Bible that fit us and our modern sensibilities. Or, like Mary, we can hear the outrageous claims of an angel that you will have a son to a virgin. We can believe and we can trust, and like her, we can worship. And so let us read her story together. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and pens the words of God, and he says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that Mary trusts God with hard things. Mary trusts God with hard things. Mary is minding her own business one day. She is enjoying her life. She is engaged to this, this man uh, named Joseph. They are planning a wedding, which weddings lasted more than a day, less than a couple of days, up to a week. And so a lot of planning going on. She's in planning mode. Everything is going well and right. She's excited by her future. And then this angel shows up and spoils everything, throws a wrench in the wedding plans. And the angel tells Mary, who is yet unmarried, that she, while being a virgin, is going to have a baby. And now this would rightly freak anyone out, right? Like this would freak us out. And so first off, she even asked the question, how can this be? How is this going to happen? This doesn't make sense. How am I going to have a baby? Mary doesn't understand the science like we do, but she knows how babies are born. And so... She thinks it is impossible and wants to know how is this impossible thing going to happen. And then, what is Joseph going to think? What is Joseph going to think? Is he going to believe me? Why would he believe me? I'm not sure I quite believe it yet. Like, is Joseph going to believe what's going on? How on earth would he ever believe? This is crazy. What will my family think? What will my community think? What will my friends think? They will think that I'm crazy. Or they will think I've committed adultery and I'm just lying about seeing an angel telling me that I'm going to have a, be a virgin and have a baby. They're going to think I was unfaithful to my soon-to-be husband, and they might stone me and kill me for this. Imagine the fear. Imagine the uncertainty going through Mary's mind. 
how would we react to such news? How would we react? How would, how would we receive that news and respond? So, sometimes God prompts us, he calls us to go across the room to share the gospel with someone at our work, and we're like, oh, God, no, that's, I'm not strong enough. You need to get a stronger Christian. That ain't me. You need to get somebody else because that is way too much. Or God, God calls us to, to give a little bit more, and we're like, nope, that, that, we can't do it. God calls us to do things, and we're like, nope. We are afraid sometimes of the little things God calls us to do. But imagine Mary, probably 13 years old, and an angel has just told her the craziest thing she's ever heard in her life that is going to happen to her. And what does she do? Now, she could have reacted, similar to preachers and theologians about 100 years ago starting to, started to do. A hundred years ago, as the scientific community began to grow and, and uh, uh, began, began, science became more widespread, theologians and preachers said that if they tried to convince people to believe in Christianity and they had to also accept the idea of a virgin birth and the other miracles, then people would reject it. Modern sensibilities would reject such ideas to believe in the supernatural, to believe that virgins could give birth and they might reject Christianity altogether. And so they decided, let's not push it. Let's not make a big deal about it. Let's, 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 let's let it not even worry about being true or not. And so they began to say, you know what, the virgin birth and the miracles, maybe those are just legend or misinterpretation. And so they watered down the hard truths to make them palatable or believable for modern people because they thought that was the only way people would believe, so they thought. But ancient people, like Mary, were no fools. They knew virgins did not give birth. It did not take less faith for Mary to believe this outrageous claim than it does modern people. It takes the same amount of faith to believe and trust that this could happen. So Mary's here, she hears this news of what's going to happen to her, and how does she react? How does she believe this impossible thing? She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Now she asks one question, one logical, rational question. How exactly is this going to work? <laughs> like, just explain to me. I'm willing to believe, just curious, how, how is this going to happen? How is this going to work? And the angel explains that the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow her and, 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 and all that and, and says nothing is going to be impossible with God. And she says, okay, sounds good. Let it be to me according to your word. I believe it. I trust it. In verse 45, later on when she meets her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth says that she is blessed because she believed the words of the angel. She believed she had faith. And what is faith but trust? In the Lord. Trust that the Lord knows what he's doing. Trust that he did not choose the wrong person for the task. Choose the wrong person for the job. Trust that his plans are good. Trust that if he calls her to the task, that he will see it through. Trust that his ways are higher than our ways and that his plans are best. Mary receives this really bizarre, difficult truth that affects her and her future. Like, she's worried about dying, about getting stoned, but yet still she trusts God. And it doesn't mean she's not scared. Like she trusts God, but it doesn't mean she's not terrified. It doesn't mean she's not doubting. It doesn't mean that she's not second-guessing herself. It doesn't mean she's not questioning everything. It doesn't mean she's not freaking out and worried about the future. There's no doubt she would have been feeling those sorts of things. But in the midst of uncertainty and fear, she trusts God because trust is not the absence of fear. 
We trust in spite of fear. She, she doesn't trust in the absence of the fear and the uncertainty going on. She trusts in spite of all of those emotions and thoughts. What a model she is for us that we in our own lives might trust God in the difficult things he puts us in. Maybe God has been calling you to do something that just terrifies you, right? Like, and you know he's been pressing upon your heart, pushing you, preparing you to do this thing he's, qual- he's called you to, he's prepared you for, he's gifted you for. And you know he's been pushing you to that thing. Maybe you don't have it all figured out. Maybe you don't have to, to know how the story is going to end, but you just got to be faithful, placing your faith and your trust that God knows what he's doing, that he's called you, and you're obedient, taking the next step like Mary. Maybe you are walking through a season right now where you are hurting. Maybe you are walking through a season right now even where you are mad at God because this is the first Christmas that grandma won't be here. Or this is the first Christmas where mom or dad or cousin or uncle or whoever, somebody you love won't be here. And maybe you are mad at God because you think God took them from you. God took them too early or God, you know, whatever, and you blame God. And may, but maybe, maybe instead of being mad at God, you should trust him. Maybe you should see that he's good despite the hurt around you. Maybe you should see that Mary's son who came into the world is coming to end suffering, not bring more in your life. He's coming to bring hope because how broken you feel in this broken world, how mad you are, how hurt you are, how sad you are, he, is, he feels those things too. And so he sent his son to end them. Maybe we can trust in spite of hurt. You see, Mary is a model for us that trusting in God doesn't mean everything is sunshine and rainbows. Trusting in God is messy. It is full of fear and doubt and insecurity. But at the end of the day, trust requires humility. Did you notice how Mary responds when the angel first speaks to her? The angel says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And when the angel says this, Mary is taken back. She's like, what did you just say? Are you you talking to me? She she, she hears this and she's troubled at the saying. And the text says that she's trying to figure out what sort of greeting this is. What does the angel mean? O favored one, the Lord is with you. What do you mean? How, How am I favored? How is the Lord with me? Who am I that the Lord would be mindful of me? I'm nobody. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a king. I'm not a priest. Who, is, who am I that God would come and speak to me? Who, that he would send his angel to me? Sometimes we, we see Mary's humility. Like, who am I that you would talk to me, God? That you call me to such a thing? But sometimes we have the opposite reaction in our life, right? Sometimes we have the opposite reaction. We think that we are the center of the universe. And we say, well, God, why haven't you spoken to me? Why haven't you given me a word? Why haven't you given me a task? Why haven't you gifted me? Why haven't you called me? Where, God, where are you at? I'm awesome. You want me on your team. Where are you at? I should be the first, the first draft pick. And we have the opposite reaction of Mary thinking, God, you should be doing these things for me. But Mary says, why would you even greet me like that? And so I think because of that, sometimes we have a harder time trusting God. We have a hard time believing that God knows what he's doing because sometimes we think we do a better job. We think the world revolves around us. But Mary can trust God because of her humility. 
she knows her place in the story. She knows how insignificant she is. And she knows what an honor and a privilege it is that God would even think of her. And so she can trust him. And so in the midst of the fear, she can trust him. In the midst of the insecurity, she can trust him because she is humble enough to admit that she is but a servant of the Lord. I am your servant. Let it be done according to your word. Her job is not to question God. Her God is to hear what God would ask of her and do it gladly. Are we not but servants of the Most High, simply awaiting orders to which we respond? Let it be according to your word. Oh, how God would use us if we had the faith and trust and obedience of Mary to trust God. The next thing I want you to see is that Mary doesn't have to walk this journey alone. She's having to trust this difficult thing, but she doesn't have to do it alone. Notice when the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary, she name drops someone in the speech. And this is not just information. He says, look, you are not alone. Your cousin Elizabeth in her old age, this woman who has not been able to conceive a child, even when she was younger, who she was called barren, is, is barren and old, but she is now already six months pregnant. And why does the angel bring this up? There are two reasons. First, it's simple. He is showing her how the impossible can be possible, that God can make even barren old women pregnant. The second reason is he is showing her that Mary does not have to walk this path alone, that there is someone else going through the exact same thing she is going through, uh, and she can go and be together with her. So often in our lives, we go through these difficult things where God brings trials in our lives or calls us to do hard things. We don't talk about it to anyone. We shrink into ourselves, and we try to walk these difficult paths alone and in isolation. Imagine Mary trying to be huddled up in her home, just freaking out and worried all by herself. That is not what the Lord wanted for her. So Gabriel is telling Mary, you do not have to walk alone in this. Not only is God with you, quite literally with you, but also Elizabeth can walk with you through this. You can be there for each other. He name drops her, and immediately after the angel uh, finished talking, she leaves to go see her cousin Elizabeth. You see, we can trust God because God cares about the little things like us not being alone. He doesn't overlook the fact that Mary's going to need somebody to talk to about this because it's kind of crazy, right? Like, she can't talk to Joseph yet because she does not even know how Joseph's going to respond or he's going to need time to process. So she needs somebody. And Elizabeth is ready and available. She goes to her. It is the kindness of God to know that Mary needs community. She needs a friend. She needs encouragement. It is why one of the core values of our church is that we grow better together. Because we are not meant or created, uh, or meant to be in the Christian life to walk alone or in isolation. We are created to be with people. We are created to be together. We are created to walk with people, to pick each other up, to encourage one another, and push each other forward when we fall down. And notice Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and notice the first words out of Elizabeth's mouth. She sees Mary, and the baby in her womb, which is John the Baptist, the baby in her womb leaps for joy. And she says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Interesting, because in a culture where younger people were always supposed to give honor to the older Elizabeth doesn't care. 
about waiting for Mary to honor her. She comes and honors and encourages Mary and what the Lord is doing in her life. And she is confirming for Mary what the angel said is true. Because who knows, right? Who knows what Mary thinks at this point? And so she is confirming, yes, what the angel said is true. You are carrying the Lord. You are the mother of my Lord. You are blessed, and you are blessed because of your faith. She encourages and confirms and comforts Mary. Mary doesn't walk alone. Doesn't walk alone. God gives her a companion that can sympathize, that can relate, that can understand. He gives her someone to encourage her because God knows this is really hard. And he give her, gives her someone that confirms she's not crazy. Like it would be easy to think, did I take something? Did I, did I eat something? Did I drink too much? It would be easy to second guess yourself. Am I remembering correctly? Is that a dream? Maybe I was hearing voices. Maybe I'm blacked out. And Elizabeth is showing her that she's not crazy. This is from the Lord, and it is the Lord's doing. See, like Mary, we don't have to walk alone. We do not have to walk alone. God has given us a church family so that we never have to walk alone. When someone is in need, we provide for them. When someone is hurting, we hug them and comfort them. When someone is, is, needs prayer, we pray for them. When someone is scared to follow God's calling, we train them, we encourage them, we support them, we push them. When someone is down and out, we encourage them, we build them up. God gave Mary Elizabeth so she didn't have to walk alone. And the same way God has given each other, he's given us to each other so that we don't have to walk alone. He's given us to each other so that we could be a new family, so that we could always be encouraged and have each other pushing us along. You know, your biological family, even right now, may not be there for you. All of us have different stories, and maybe your biological family is not there for you and doesn't understand you. And maybe there will come a day when they forsake you, they, they leave you. But this family, this family that will last for eternity, this family that we will always be together, we are called to always be there for one another, walk with one another. Not that we're ever going to walk with each other perfectly, right? We're going to fail each other. Always being there, always striving, always encouraging, always never walking alone. See, you never have to walk alone. Don't choose to. You never have to walk alone, and so stop choosing to walk alone. Don't choose to live in isolation. Don't choose to forsake the gathering on Sunday morning. Being here together in this room is vitally important. Don't see this as secondary. Don't see this as just an option. This is important being here. We are here with those that are meant to walk with us. Don't choose to curl into yourself. Don't choose self-loathing things only hurt you. Isolation only hurts you. God made us to need each other. And so he has given each other, each of us to each other. So choose to walk together. Let us be honest and real and encouraging and together. Do you see what immediately happens after Mary talks to Elizabeth? When she has this community, when she when she's realizes she's not walking alone and it's been confirmed in her that this is true and that she's encouraged, what happens immediately is that her faith and trust is bolstered by what Elizabeth says. 
Elizabeth's words bolster the faith and trust in Mary's heart. And so what does Mary immediately do in response to this encouragement that she has from her cousin, that she's not walking alone and she's, these things have been true in her? What is her, Mary's immediate response? She breaks out into song and sings the world's first Christmas carol. She breaks out into worship. She is bolstered and encouraged, so she worships. When Mary hears Elizabeth's excitement at what God is doing through her, she responds and worships. And notice, the f- notice she first speaks of herself and her own response to God. But most of the song, most of the song is just about God, about who he is and what he's done. Again, we see in this song Mary's humility coming out that it's not about her, it's about him and what he's done. Right, worship. This is a response that we all should have at the Christmas story. is not about us. It's not about our preferences. It's not about our experiences. It is not about our enjoyment. Worship is about him. Worship is about us giving him praise for what he has done, what he is doing. It's giving him honor, giving him glory. It is emptying of ourselves that we might give to him. But so often, we do the opposite thing Mary does, and we make worship about us. Right? We, we, We make gathering in here about us about what we like, about how we think things should flow, about what songs we think we should see, about how loud or quiet we think it should be. We think it should be about filling us up. But really, it should be about emptying ourselves. I remember when, when I was a youth pastor, I was singing in this particular worship service, and I was just really feeling it, man. The songs were great, and they were loud, and they weren't normally loud at our church there. And, and I was clapping and singing and into it, and like, yeah, this is it you know, singing, get my worship on, whatever. And then we went from the second song to the third song, and we went to this hymn that was what I call a merry-go-round hymn, where you could do your arm like this. And I remember just going, really? It just sucked the wind out of me and the excitement and the joy out of me. I'm like, why are we singing this thing? This song's terrible. And I remember thinking that, and I felt like God just went, I'm like, this ain't about you, man. It ain't about what you and what you like and what you don't like about me stop making it about you i was like all right when the roll's called up beyond you know we're gonna sing it because it ain't about me as much as i want it to be about me it's not about me it's about him mary gets that mary mary hears the words of elizabeth and rejoices and sings a song we often lose sight because we lose sight of who god is we lose sight of what God has done. We get complacent. We focus on ourselves. But Mary, Mary worships. She's rejoicing in this amazing news of what God has done. Mary sings about who God is and about what he has done. She sings, God is mighty for he has done great things. She sings that he is holy. She's like, God, you have made the barren conceive. You have made a virgin conceive. You have made the impossible possible. And only you could do that. And so she worships. And not just that, but remember what Elizabeth says. This is fascinating. Elizabeth says, the mother of my Lord. But she also says that the Lord was the messenger who spoke to, to Mary. The Lord both gave the message and was in the womb. They already understand that this baby is no mere human Messiah, but that this baby is the Lord God himself. That God was becoming weak, that God was becoming small, that God was becoming vulnerable in order to rescue them. We have become immune 
and inoculated to this amazing reality that God became a baby in a womb, that he became weak to save us. We have become, we've become inoculated or immune to this idea that the God who holds the cosmos, holds the universe in his hands, that God was held in the arms of a teenage girl. That should, that should inspire us to worship. That the God who holds the cosmos could make himself so small to be held in the arms of a teenage girl in order that he might save us. Should that not spur up worship in us? He indeed is mighty and he's done great things. And not only are you mighty, but you are holy, she sings, meaning you are set apart. You are in a league of your own. You are perfect and righteous in a class by yourself. What sort of God, what sort of God makes himself small? What sort of God makes himself weak? What sort of God leaves his throne to enter brokenness? So she sings of his mercy, mercy to those who fear him, meaning his mercy is not for everyone. His mercy are those who know they're sick. His mercy are for those who know that they need mercy. His mercy is for those who know that they're not good enough on their own and they fear the judgment of God. And if that is you, his mercy is for you. It is not for those who are well and think they're good enough. It is for those who know they are broken. But modern people, we, we like to make God a God of love. Not a God who needs to have mercy, but a God who simply loves and accepts everyone as they are. And that is not the gospel. The gospel says that he loves you as you are, but he doesn't accept you as you are. He loves you as you are, but he doesn't accept you as you are. He loves you but we'll extend mercy to you in order to conform you into the image of Jesus because we're all broken and need to change. You are broken and need to be fixed, but if you don't think you're broken, God can't fix you. And then she begins to sing of what God is going to do. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary knows that God is coming for the Tamars of the world, for the Rahabs of the world, for the Ruths of the world. That means he is coming for the broken, for the oppressed, for the poor, for the hurting, for the weak. He has come to turn the world upside down and to set the world right. And Mary, in singing this, is anticipating the Beatitudes of Jesus when he would say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see. She knows that everything is about to change and that drives her to worship. Have you ever thought about why is it that every Christmas movie is basically the same thing? The same story told over and over again? That even secular Christmas movies, the message of the movie is that in the end, old wounds are healed, relationships are formed or mended, families are back together, the Grinch's heart grows three sizes and he finds a home with the Who's? Why are all the stories about healing and mending and hope? Because this is what Jesus has come to do and Mary knows it. He's come to mend the world. This broken world has come to set right. And this, this world where the strong thrive and the weak just try to survive, Jesus has come to build a new kingdom where everything is going to be different. A kingdom where fairy tales come true and happily ever after actually happens where all sad things come untrue. But you know what? Jesus has come. And things are not that much different, you might say. People are still hungry, people still get sick and die, friends still betray one another, families still break, the world is still broken. Maybe Mary did not know what she was talking about. 
You see, Mary knew that this baby in her womb was the fulfillment of God's promise to bring a king who would sit on David's throne forever. And she knew that this was the fulfillment of the promise God made to Abraham, that he would save the world through his family. Mary heard this news, and she trusted God. She had faith. She knew what God had promised, and she saw it unfolding before her eyes, even though she hadn't fully seen it. She trusted and she worshiped. But all that Mary knew, her son would do. All the things that Mary knew, you know, we sing that song, Mary, did you know? She knew. She knew, most of it anyway, what he was going to do, what was going to come to pass. But all of those things haven't happened yet. Like Mary, we are watching and waiting. More than that, we are longing with the pains of childbirth, longing for the day of his return, of the second advent, when he will finish what he started. See, Jesus, in his first coming, laid a foundation. He started a work through his death and resurrection, but when he returns, he will finish what he started. So like Mary, we must trust, we must have faith, we must walk together and not alone because together we can long and trust and long for the day of his coming and of his return when he will set the world right again, when he will finish all that he set out to do. But like Mary, we see the hand of God at work, there's one response, trust and worship. When hard days come, when trials never seem to cease, when we are called to do hard things, we trust God. We have faith. We walk together and we wait, knowing that the day is coming when all shall be made well, when the truth of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, that the world could rightly be mended will finally come to pass. But until that second advent comes, like Mary, we trust. We don't trust alone. We trust him together. We lock arms and we worship our great God because with him, all things are possible. You see, sometimes outrageous claims turn out to be true. For Ebenezer Scrooge, he saw the ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And through what they showed him, he woke up that Christmas morning forever a changed man. Because sometimes outrageous claims are actually true. And there is only one right response to the outrageous claim of Christmas. The claim that God became a baby to save the world. The only response is worship. And when you worship such an amazing God, you will find that no matter what life throws at you, you will be able to trust him. Because with God, all things will be possible. Pray. Father, this morning we come, we come celebrating Christmas. We see the lights and we hear the songs and we watch the movies, we eat the candy, and we bake the treats, and we visit with family, we open presents. Father, would you let every one of those things, every one of those good gifts from you, remind us, remind us that this all started because you sent an angel to tell Mary the good news, the virgin would give birth. Have a son. And they would call him Jesus and he would save his people from their sin. Father, this, this morning, would you help us to be a people who trust you? 
whatever you call us to do, whatever you do in our lives, you help us to trust you. Help us to be humble enough to trust you. And Father, would you help us to never walk alone, walk in isolation, but help us to link arms with one another, to be honest with one another, but where we're at, what we need, to be honest about our doubts, about our insecurities, our failures, so that we don't have to walk through them alone, but we can be encouraged and challenged, picked up, fall. God, help us to respond to the Christmas story, to the gospel itself, to Jesus and worship. To not be worried about everything else going on in our day, but to sing praise, sing Christmas songs. To the God who holds the cosmos in his hands, but yet could be held in the arms of a teenage girl. Father, for the one in this room who doesn't believe the Christmas story, thinks it's fairy tale that a virgin could give birth. For the one in this room right now, Father, who doesn't know you is not receives your mercy because they think they're too good. They think they're fine. They think they're safe. Father, this morning, would you give them the courage to come talk to me about that? As we sing this song, I'm going to be up here on the front and some guys are going to be on the side. And Man, if you got anything in your life you need to pray about or talk about or you just need to link arms with somebody and say pray for me or if you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, come grab one of us. Or let's stand and worship our great king who's become a baby save the world. God, give us strength. In Christ's name we pray all people said. Stand together.